heard the life-changing news, God answers prayer. Welcome to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Well, today is Thursday, May the 5th. It is the National Day of Prayer. Now, at our church at First Baptist Texarkana, we always uh, gather on the National Day of Prayer on that morning, and we have a prayer breakfast, and we have a time to gather together as a church to call upon the Lord on behalf of our nation. Our nation needs prayer. Now, America, when you do the, the research, you'll find that America was founded on prayer. I was looking this morning at the very famous quote by Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, on all accounts, was not a born-again believer in Jesus, but he was a believer in God, and he was a believer in prayer. And in the infancy of America at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the very famous speech that Franklin gave, because they were getting nowhere fast and just couldn't agree on things, This is what he said on Thursday, June 28, 1787. He addressed the August Assembly and said, I have lived a long time, and the longer I live, I see this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire cannot rise without his aid? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I therefore beg to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business, and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. And as history records, as they began to pray and seek the face of God, God gave them wisdom, and God gave them a united mind as they put together the Constitution of the United States of America. It was huge that, uh, that Franklin did that. Now, if an unbeliever would recognize that prayer is critical and prayer is important and that God answers prayer, how much more for believers to understand that we have a resource in God that is infinite. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not, James chapter 4. And so often we don't take the time to pray. I'm talking to myself. You know, I've told my church for years, it's a lot easier for me to read the Bible for an hour than to pray for an hour. Prayer is easy in one sense, because a child can do it. Prayer is just talking to your father. So it's easy on that sense, but it's hard because the devil knows that there's power in prayer, and the devil fights us to stay off our knees and to, to not call on the Lord. Jesus told the disciples as they were supposed to be praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night he was betrayed. Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when it comes to prayer, our flesh is weak, but we desperately need to call upon the Lord. We desperately need to cry out for uh, cry out to him. Now, yesterday, I was talking to Dr. Richard Land, and, and he was talking about the National Day of Prayer as I asked him some questions about that. I liked his answer. He said, first of all, as we pray, we need to praise the Lord and thank the Lord for the upcoming decision, not that it was leaked, but that we we know that the Supreme Court is getting ready to rule um, that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. He said, that is a great praise. We've been fighting for decades to eradicate abortion in America, abortion which is such a stain and a blot and a blemish and and an affront to God of the highest order, to to get that that step forward to say from the highest court of the land, this is unconstitutional, that is huge. And so we need to praise God for that. And then we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. As I 
was uh, addressing our, our gathering today at First Baptist Texarkana, I read from Second Chronicles chapter 7, the, the uh, keynote passage when we gather for a national day of prayer. It was from Solomon's dedication of the temple. And uh, the scripture says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now, why would God do that? He does that because of sin. He said, if I have to send the, the curses because you're not walking with me and send pestilence and disasters and things like that, if I do that, and my people, Second Chronicles 7.14, and my people who are called by my name, what do they do? If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Some people like to say, well, that, that's not a promise you can claim for America. That's a promise that God gave Solomon about Israel and quit reading America into the Old Testament. Well, I'm not reading America into the Old Testament. I'm taking the Lord at his word and my people. And if my people, King James, the if, if my people who are called by my name, that's a Christian. A Christian is part of the family of God. We used to, when I was in college, every time we would get together on a Sunday night service, we would sing the same song when we would greet the visitors. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. So we're part of God's family as believers in Jesus, and we're his people, and we are called by his name. So if, if my family called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray, what, is, what does prayerlessness show? Prayerlessness shows that uh, we're prideful, that we feel like we don't need God, that we can do it on our own. And uh, it, it's not that we're shaking our fist in the face of God. It's not that we're, we're rebelling against God, per se. We're just kind of uh, doing our own thing. We're just saying, hey, God, you know, uh, I'm just going to keep doing this, and I hope you bless me, but I'm not really going to talk to you about this. Uh, we need to humble ourselves, as Peter said, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. I still remember my pastor, Damon Shook, Dr. Damon Shook at Champion Forest Baptist Church. He was preaching one day on uh, the last two verses in Ecclesiastes, where Solomon says, The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. For the Lord will bring every act to judgment, everything that is hidden, whether it is good or evil. And he talked about fearing God. He said, What does it mean to fear God? He said, to fear God means that you recognize he is God and you give him his rightful place as king and as sovereign in your life. And you take your rightful place as slave and as servant and you submit yourself. It's just the same as 1 Peter 5. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, Call out to God, cry out to God, and seek my face. I love that. Seek my face. So often we pray when we're seeking God's hand. We're seeking what he can do for us. We have a situation, an issue, a marriage problem, a family problem, a financial problem, a job problem, uh, some kind of physical problem. And so we're asking God for his hand. Lord, uh, turn your hand to bless in this situation, to heal in this situation, to restore, to redeem, whatever it is. And, and that's not bad to do, but so often we want God's blessings, but we don't really want God. And so when you seek his face, you're saying, Lord, more than anything else, more than any answer to my prayer, I want to connect with you. 
I, I want to get my heart, my life right with you. Lord, I want your, your smile to be upon me. I don't want to displease you. I want to please you. And I'm not asking you for anything that you can do with your hand. I want your face and your smile and your approval upon me. I want to please you. Seek my face. You know, here's the, here's the problem that rich people have. Now, I'm not a rich person, but I know some rich people, and I know that this is an issue for them. They'll have a lot of people that will want to befriend them because of their wealth, because of their success, because of their fame. But they have to wonder in the back of their minds, does this, people, does this person want to be my friend because they care about me? because they love me or do they just want something from me do they do they like being my friend because of the status it gives them or the potential for me to uh, to support them or give them something you know God owns a cattle on a thousand hills which is just a poetic way of saying he owns everything all the silver all the gold belong to God and God wants to know hey do you love me for me or do you just love me for my stuff? Do you just do you seek me for me? You would just want to spend time with me, or do you want me to do for you, and that's all you want from me? Hey, if you'll seek His face and turn from their wicked ways, we have to uh, leave the pigsty of sin and say with the prodigal son, I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And the prodigal left the pigsty. He got up and went back to his father. We need to recognize our sin for what it is. It's, it's awful. It's horrible. It's sinful. Our lust, our bitterness, our greed, our selfishness, all the junk that so easily comes into our lives. We need to turn from that, turn from our wicked ways, and turn to the Lord. And he says, if you'll do that, if you'll humble humble yourself, if you'll pray, if you'll seek my face, if you will turn from your sin and turn to me. And the Bible says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. God says, if you'll do that, then this is what he will do. Then I will hear from heaven. If I regard iniquity in my heart, David said, the Lord will not hear me. So I have to turn from sin. God hates sin. He can't have fellowship with sin. His eyes are too pure to look upon sin. Then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin. Isn't that good news? Your sin can be forgiven. Your sin, no matter how great it is, can be forgiven. Jesus said to the prostitute who wept at his feet in Luke chapter 7, your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Don't go in guilt. Don't go in shame. Don't go away in condemnation. Go away in peace. Go in peace because the Lord is a forgiving God, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Our land desperately needs healing. Desperately needs healing. We're so divided, and we're so at one another, another's throats. And if, if you spend time on Twitter, I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Shreve, uh, J-E-F-F-S-C-H-R-E-V-E, uh, I'd love for you to follow me if you'd like to do that. Um, but we, you notice in Twitter, people are so mean to one another. They're just ready to jump down each other's throats. Hey, Twitter's a great way to share the truth. It's a great way to stand up for the truth. But we don't want to attack people and malign people. Hey, we live in a, a society that is filled with uh, anger and resentment and bitterness and vitriol. Hey, we are to speak the truth in love. We are to be salt and light in a lost and dying world. God answers as we pray. And as Christians get right, then revival comes to the churches and awakening comes to the nation as we get right. You're listening to Real Truth for today. And my special guest as we come back will be um, evangelist Marine Tim Lee and then Bill Federer after that. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
So there's this couple named Kyle and Katie, and they were excited. They're expecting their third child. And then they got some really bad news. Their unborn baby desperately needed surgery in utero. They had switched the way they pay their healthcare bills from health insurance to MediShare. So they were wondering, is this going to work? It's a life and it's my son's life. And, you know, we should all be doing anything we can for that. Kyle knew they were looking at a mountain of medical bills. And of that, I had to pay almost nothing. We felt like MediShare was rallying behind us, almost like family. MediShare is a community of Christians who care about people like Kyle and Katie and little Liam, who is now a happy little boy who loves to play outside with his brother and sister. You know, Liam's around because of that. We'll always remember. Find out how you can save $500 a month or more on your health care. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Can you imagine for even just a second how many things in this country need to be handled? Can we say border? Can we say the budget? Funding the military? Can we say all of the things that are just completely neglected because our congressmen in Washington, the Democrats who lead the House and establish what's discussed there, they have all control on impeaching the president. So that's what all they're doing. That's all they're doing. Sandy Rios in the morning. Weekdays at 7 Central on American Family Radio. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, evolutionists say that because our blood is similar to seawater, this proves the evolution of life in the ocean. Is this true? Chris, it is true that evolution says that life evolved in the sea, but human blood is very different from seawater. Now, many of the same elements are in both, but the concentrations and compounds are very, very different. God used the building blocks he had created on day one to form all things. Human blood has unbearably complex molecules locked into complex combinations that are very different from anything ever found in seawater. In fact, seawater would break down the compounds that we have in our blood. Chris, we can be confident that man did not come from the sea. Man was created by the Creator who also created the sea. We read all about it when we go back to Genesis. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. This is the National Day of Prayer, and we're talking about prayer, and we're talking about our nation today. And with me on the broadcast is my dear friend, evangelist, Marine Tim Lee. Tim loves the Lord Jesus. He loves people. He loves sharing the gospel, and he loves America. He gave his his uh, two legs in Vietnam fighting for America and uh, I am pleased to welcome him to the program today. Tim, welcome. Hello. Hello, Pastor. It's an honor to be back with you. Well, I appreciate it so much. So today is the National Day of Prayer, and Tim, I was thinking about you, and uh, there's not too many people I know that love our country more than you do and, and have sacrificed uh, for our country. So tell me what the National Day of Prayer means to you. Well, um uh it's, it's a time whenever we can really uh, focus on this one thing uh, called prayer. And uh, it's so very important. We need to understand this is kind of a launching pad. This is not a, you know, start here and then stop, but we start and then we keep praying. And there's so many things to pray for, so much concern for what's going on uh, in America today. And but it's hard to get people to pray. It's hard to get Christians to pray. It's one of the greatest things that we get to do as a Christian is to, is to be able to pray. But I'm reminded of our Lord uh, there in the garden, and and he was praying, and he and his disciples were supposed to be praying with him, but instead they went to sleep. And, and he said to them, could thou not tarry for one hour? And I, I'm not sure that that, that was 
you know, that he was saying that this is what we ought to do every day, one hour every day. I, I, I don't know, but it's hard to get people to pray for 10 minutes a day, uh, <clears throat> let alone for one hour. But the church has to wake up, and we got we have the greatest uh, source of power that's ever been given to anyone. This is the the the, uh, the source of prayer to be able to call upon the name of the Lord and go to the uh, Father's throne and uh, come in Jesus' name and have access to to God's throne. Wow! Uh, so I'm I'm thinking that today, especially with what's going on in Washington D.C. and what's going on. Uh, throughout the world, in uh, in Europe and other places, that this is the time for us to fall on our knees. This is time for us to cry out to God. This is time for us to be so burdened and to weep and to shed tears and to pray and, and then to bless the name of God for what he's done in our lives. Well, you know, Tim, um, when you go to a place to preach and you go all over the country sharing the gospel, you can really tell when a church has prayed and prepared versus a church that hasn't, can you? Oh, my, yes. This is a con that goes with me. 95% of the time we can tell, you know, if they've been planning and preparing and praying, uh, those those things right there, and especially the prayer part, is so noticeable. And and when we go in, they've been having cottage prayer meetings, around-the-clock prayer meetings. People have been uh, praying for the children to get saved, husbands praying for the wives to get saved, wives for the husbands, and and then you can tell. And then during that meeting, sometimes many of those prayers will be answered, and the people are so happy and rejoicing to know that God heard and answered their prayers. And and I think if people realize how much uh, power they have at, at their excess, if they would just learn to pray, and we don't have to be loud in our prayers. We, we, we don't we don't have to pray big fancy prayers. God's not even touched by that. But but that we would call on his name and take these petitions to him and that he then hears and answers our prayers. Wow. I get so excited and pumped up just thinking about it. And if churches would learn what you just said, I believe we could see some real revivals break out in our day. Well Tim, as you go across the country, um are you seeing an increased hunger or an increased apathy in the churches? Uh, this is a question I'm asked probably more than any other question. And Pastor Jeff, it, it all depends on where I go. And I think it's what you just said. The question before is: is have they been praying? And when I when when I go to church and they've been praying and they've been expecting, we know God's sovereign. We know God can send revival when and where. But He won't send it to people that won't pray and that won't prepare and won't plan for it. And so I go sometimes, and I wonder why Why am I even here? They, they act like that I'm a burden to be here, and they're the ones that invited me, but they act like, you know, this. I guess they just want to say they had a meeting, but then I go other places. They're so hungry. They're, they're anticipating. They're excited. They're pumped up. They're believing that God is going to do something in our midst. And so I guess I can say it just depends on the leadership and 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 what's been going on before I got there, and then to see God move in such a special way. Now, Tim, are you are you primarily going to Baptist churches, or are you getting called from all sorts of denominations? I, I go to other places. Well, I'm primarily. I was born, and raised Southern Baptist. My wife says I Baptist born, and and when I die, I'll be uh, Baptist dead. You know, so I'm. <laughs> I do, so I do speak at a lot of uh, other uh, churches, well, Bible churches, and, and even some, uh, I've been in some Assembly of God churches, I've been in some Methodist churches, and if they want the truth and there's no compromise, I I will tell them the same truth that I would tell the Baptist church, you know, and and, and so it's, they're responsive to that way. But go to a lot of military bases as well, and I get a lot of schools, and there's a lot of opportunities as an evangelist that, uh, God opens these doors, and, and it's amazing to see what he does. Tim, uh, you know, as I think about your book, Born on the Fifth of July, great book. I just encourage people to get that book. It is a page-turner. You're not going to want to put it down. You're going to want to hear about uh, Tim Lee's story. But, Tim, you had God answer your prayers when you were flat on your back and and uh, things didn't look good after that uh, yeah. that mine accident. Pastor Jeff, when you asked me to come on air, we knew the subject was prayer. That's one of the first things that I thought about in my personal life. 
on a battlefield in Vietnam on March the 8th, 1971. I stepped on a 60-pound mine, my head in the lap of my best friend, Corporal Lee Gore. Big old tears running down his face, and he's crying. He's praying, praying out loud, asking God to help me. And I prayed that day. I wanted to live. I didn't want to die. And then it wasn't long. The words got back to my parents, and then they began to pray. And then the word got across southern Illinois, and then it started spreading across the country, and churches were praying all over the country. And and, uh, and, and God heard and answered prayer. I should be dead today, but God had a plan for my life, as I believe he has a plan for all your listeners this morning. But uh, there, there was people that prayed for me. And, and so that's why I encourage people to get in a good Bible-believing church, because you're going to need people to pray for you. There's going to be trials and struggles in your life, and you're going to need to, uh, uh, people praying for you, and you're going to be needing to pray for other people as well. It's, this is what makes our community unique than, more unique than any other community in the world, is we learn how to pray for each other and, and lift each other's burdens. Well, Tim, I'd said at the top of the hour, you know, prayer is one of those things that is it's easy because it's talking to your father and, and just like our little kids, you know, they didn't they didn't have to go to to school to know how to ask mom and dad for things. Um, they just know how to do that. But prayer is hard, too, because the devil fights us to keep us off our knees. Tim, in your own life, because I know in my life it's much easier to read the Bible for an hour than to, to pray for an hour. Do you find that true in your own life? It is, and, and it's just what you said, Pastor. It's a, the devil will fight you because he knows once we start that that genuine, consistent prayer life, and we are in, we're in doing it on a regular basis, and it's a part of our life just as much as brushing our teeth or drinking a glass of water, and that, that we learn to pray every day. And Paul said, "Pray without ceasing," and 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 so you can pray, and then in in your heart and mind, you you begin a conversation somewhere, and then you go back to uh, talking to the Lord again, and and. It, and sometimes it's like a like a straight period of time, and sometimes a conversation that starts and then stops for a minute, doing something else, and you come back and you pray. But once you get into the spirit of doing that, uh, and 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 the habit of doing that, then it does become a little easier. But the devil will still attack, and and that's what I tell you. If I if I'm having trouble sleeping, if I get up and I start praying. I won't be long till I'll be back sleeping again because the devil fights that part of your spiritual life. He, he doesn't want you to pray. No, he doesn't. And and uh, we know that God allows difficulties to come into our lives. And, and one of those reasons, obviously to help us grow, but then to help us pray and to help us yeah. uh, keep our eyes on him. And, and Tim, I know that you and your family had a terrible tragedy a few years ago with your granddaughter. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh my, and, and that was the other thing whenever I was thinking about what you we were going to be talking about this morning. That was the, I guess, the worst thing, the most horrible thing. I, I told my daughter, Jana, when, when they lost Allie, that I, I would rather stepped on 10 more landmines than to have lost my granddaughter. For her to have lost her daughter, our 16-year-old Allie was uh, so unusual. She's a beautiful young lady. Uh, no one had more fun in their life than she did. She was an athlete, nearly always a high scorer, and and uh, she she loved people. She despised bullies. She would stand up uh, against bullies at school, and and then she was the kind of girl she would, the first day of school if there was a new kid there she would go seek him out and on mm. purpose befriend them. It was just she wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but boy, she loved God and. She put me into conviction sometimes. A 16-year-old girl loved God so much, and and uh, and then just like that, she was on the on an ATV and and uh, and a pickup truck, 70 miles an hour, plowed into the back of the ATV, and instantly Allie was killed, and uh, her her younger sister was had to be cut out of the ATV and and uh, flighted to Fort Worth, the hospital there, and a lot of uh, serious injuries but she's a miracle girl but but immediately immediately people begin to pray and i, I mean everywhere in the in the age of the internet when i got hit in vietnam of course there was no internet it was all by telephone 
but it still spread like wildfire. People begin to pray, but with Ali, he was all over the country. It was even in foreign countries. We were getting uh, uh, messages from from foreign countries, missionaries, and other people that were praying for our family, and that's what that's what uh, held us together when we went into the celebration service. Uh, and I was worried about my family and and but how we how this was going to go. But then the first song and, and a song of praise and worship to the Lord. I looked down the whole row. My whole family had their hands lifted in the mm. air and were praising God and worshiping wow. the Lord. And and I just knew that those prayers that had been prayed has has sustained us and that we were going to make it. It wasn't going to be without some troubles down the road, but. But we will be, be able to survive this, and I think the main reason because of prayer of family, of God holding us up during those times. Amen. Well, Tim, would uh, as we have just a few minutes left, would you, would you pray for for our listeners? Would you pray for our nation and just lead us out as, in this National Day of Prayer? I sure will. Father, we come to you. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity, for the privilege the honor to get to be able to pray and uh, to come to, to your throne through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we don't have to go through an earthly priest, but we get to come ourselves to your throne, directly to your throne. And uh, Lord, that we know that we have a God, our God, that not only hears prayer, but answers prayer. God, I've seen you so many prayers in my own life that you've answered and Lord in our family. And I remember when my dad pastored that Lord, if he even sensed that there might be a little bit of dissension or a little bit of a problem, my dad was so wise. Even if it was a Sunday morning, he would call the church to prayer. They'd come to the altar. All the church would come and they would pray. And by the time they got up to go back to the seat, Lord, there was just a different spirit. And prayer did that, and, and and it does so much in our lives. And, Lord, thank you for this privilege. I pray today, right now, for America. I pray, God, as there are people praying, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions and millions of people praying today on this day, National Day of Prayer, praying for our country. Lord, would you hear our cries? Would you hear our petitions today? Or we know that we deserve the judgment of God. I, I know that in my own life, but today we're praying for mercy, God. We're praying for grace, even in this matter of Roe versus Wade and this matter of abortion, God, that we deserve judgment, no doubt about it. The Lord, that you would give us one more chance, one more opportunity, and God, as we fight for life and we fight for what we know is right, that God, that you would answer prayer. Our judges would stand, judges would stand strong, and our, our leaders would stand strong, and even those that on the opposite side, God, that you would even somehow confuse their minds and then yes. not even be able to realize or understand what it is that, that, that the fight is even about, that, God, that we can win in this area of life. It would be such a statement to the whole world that America, once again, is standing for what is right. And, God, that you would bless that. I thank you for my friend, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and, Lord, for his leadership this National Day of Prayer, pray for his listeners and all these folks that are gathered today. And I pray, God, that you'll bless each and every one of them. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. It's in his name I pray, and amen. 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 Thank you so much, Tim. Hey, when are you going back to uh, Paris Island? Well, we've got still got it on hold right now, so uh, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that was a little bit of red tape and politics are saying we're coming back, but we're still, we got a new chaplain coming in that I think is going to be our answer. We we were there starting in 2013, four or five times a year. Then when COVID hit, it threw everything into a tailspin. I need your people to pray for that. This is the greatest door of opportunity our ministry's ever had. And just pray that that door would open back up soon. Amen. You've been listening to Marine Evangelist Tim Lee, and Tim has a great ministry to our soldiers, to our Marines, so pray for him. If you want to find out more, get his book, Born on the 5th of July. It will bless your life. You're listening to Real Truth for today. We're going to take a quick break and be back with Bill Federer 
Don't go away. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that in the end days, persecution would increase. In 2022, the persecution of Christians is at an historic high, yet most people are unaware. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. While we can pray for the persecuted, we can do more. Join me and Dee Dee Logison of Save the Persecuted Christians as we give the facts about worldwide persecution, Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. My wife's aunt passed away and we received a, a considerable inheritance from that. We heard on American Family Radio about the opportunity to participate in a charitable gift annuity. We talked to the people at AFA Foundation uh, Riley, Chelsea, and, and their crew that they work with. And they were very uh, caring, uh, very easy to work with, and with no pressure whatsoever. And they guided us through the process and made it a very easy thing to do. See if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800 800- 326-4543, extension 345. What excites us about the charitable gift annuity is we will always have income coming in. It will be steady. Uh, we won't outlive it. The AFA Foundation, the Financial Stewardship Division of the American Family Association. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. Today is the National Day of Prayer, and we've been talking about the power of prayer. God answers prayer, and prayer is such a privilege to the children of God to call out to their Father, to call on His name. I am pleased to welcome to the broadcast a dear friend of mine who is the one of the foremost authorities on world history and American history. He's a prolific author and, and he speaks around the country. Uh, William J. Federer. Bill, welcome to Real Truth for today. Hey, great to be with you, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for doing that. I know you had a, you had a prayer breakfast this morning, didn't you? Yeah, it's in um, Apopka, Florida, which is the fastest growing city uh, as part of Orlando County. So I actually sat at the table with the mayor of Orlando and the uh, congresswoman from the area, Val Demings, and um, all the other different uh, people in the community, the, the local mayor, Brian Nelson, and about at least 500 people. Wonderful what? event. All the different uh, pastors, different races all came together, and they really prayed. And to me, it was so inspiring. Yeah, sometimes we have a prayer breakfast, and it's more breakfast than prayer. Yeah. (laughs) But um, it was great to see pastors of all the different denominations coming together, realizing that um, we have to work together 
and we all hum- humble ourselves before the Lord. Uh, you know, the Continental Congress met, and they had representatives who were Anglican, Episcopal. They had Baptists and Presbyterians and Quakers and all, all these different ones, and they made a motion to open with prayer. And the uh, Anglicans didn't want to hear a prayer from the Presbyterians who didn't want to hear a prayer from the Quakers. And Sam Adams stands up and he says, I'm no bigot. I can hear a prayer of any man of piety who at the same time is a patriot of our nation. And so they got a Reverend Jacob Duchesne give a prayer and they started kneeling and crying. And uh, George Washington was there and, and God blessed the working together. And out of that came our country. And so this is one of those situations today that we have to work together and and that God will bless our efforts. Well, you know, I started the broadcast off, Bill, and I talked about that famous quote from from Ben Franklin. And by all accounts, Ben Franklin didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but he did realize that prayer has power. Uh, Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So Ben Franklin was raised Presbyterian, and then he... Uh, there was a pastor, Sam Hemphill, uh, that was sort of a, a, a new light preacher. You know, he was uh, in the old stodgy ones, didn't like him. And so uh, Ben Franklin said, I lent my pen to uh, Reverend Samuel Hemphill. And and, um, and so he would write articles defending him, but then they had the church vote, and his favorite pastor was voted out. He actually went to North Carolina, and he actually— organized the pastors, and that's why they had the Mecklenburg Declaration, which precedes our Declaration of Independence, of these pastors saying, no, we, we got to stand up to, to Britain. Um, but Ben Franklin printed all these sermons of these different ones. But after that, Ben Franklin said that the next pastor, he came to visit me in the house, and I went to church a couple times, but he was just going over the finer part parts of different doctrines, and he says that it didn't, it basically didn't touch his heart. And so he began to absent himself from divine service. And, um, uh, but he always gave to every different church that came to him, and he encouraged people to go to church. And so at the Constitutional Convention, there was a deadlock, and it, it was about to fall apart. And Ben Franklin stands up, and he was about 80 years old. And, of course, he was hosting the Constitutional Convention. Uh, he was the governor of uh, Pennsylvania. And he uh, calls for prayer, and he says, how is it, sir, that we've not yet appealed uh, to God during the Revolution? We had daily prayer in the Assembly for divine protection, and we observed frequent instances of a you know divine superintending providence in our favor. And have we forgotten such a great friend, or do we no longer think we need his assistance? But he made the motion for prayer. They, they adjourned. They went around to the churches in town for three days. They got back together, they did the Connecticut Compromise, and our U.S. Constitution came into being. Mm. Okay, so Bill, you wrote, and you've written extensively on on this, I think you have two volumes on miracles in American history, is that correct? Yes, so the first one focuses on the battles, where rivers rise, fog comes in, laws Washington to escape, Um, you know, you had, uh, Lincoln had a day of fasting and prayer, and two days afterwards, there's some freak accident that changes the war, all right? Uh, Stonewall Jackson, who was uh, a tremendous general and a godly man, but he was coming back after the Battle of Chancellorville. He was winning two to one, and his own men shoot him, right? He says, you know, the twilight, and just about every Civil War historian will say if Stonewall Jackson had been at Gettysburg two months later, the South may have won. Um, now, it's hard to reconcile because he was a godly man, but you can't ignore the fact that this is two days after Lincoln's National Day of Fasting and Prayer, that something happens that changes the, the course of the war. And uh, Woodrow Wilson had a day of fasting and prayer when we entered World War I. We had James Madison had a day of fasting and prayer during the War of 18, or, or, uh, during the War of 1812 when they burnt the White House. Uh, Adams had a day of fasting and prayer when we almost got into a war with France. Um, Zachary Taylor, the ninth president, or, or tenth president, uh, he had a day of um, fasting and prayer when they, um, uh, excuse me, I think he's the 11th president. I, uh, but, <laughs> I was so going to correct you on that, Bill, but I William I didn't Henry Harrison was it. the 9th, John Tyler was the 10th, um, Zachary Taylor 11th, and then um, Ty, uh, 
Taylor 12th. Uh, I apologize I'm, uh, for not having my numbers at the top of my head here. Uh, but um, during a cholera epidemic, 1849, uh, President Zachary Taylor had a day of uh, fasting and prayer. And so the idea is that we've had crises in the past. We've had leaders that called us to pray, and we've had people with courage rise up and things turned around. And so we're in a crisis today. We're facing food shortages. Right. Ukraine, Russia, biggest source of fertilizers. We're not going to have fertilizers. The farmers aren't going to. Ukraine's the breadbasket of Europe. They're not able to ship any grain out. There's going to be starving going around around the world. Uh, In America, we're killing off millions of chickens because of a potential avian flu. We're going to have a shortage. And then China's shutting down all their factories because of another, you know, potential covid outbreak. And uh, and so we're going to have a shortage of everything made in China. Our shelves will be. So so we're facing. Uh, some very serious things coming up this year. Interest rates well, being raised. That's going to cause the prices of things to go up even more. Well, you know, Bill, um, in, until it starts hurting people in America, uh, it's like we don't. it doesn't get our attention. We'll watch the war on, you know, in Ukraine. We watch it on TV. That's a long, That's far, far away. But when it starts hitting us and we go to the grocery store and there's not food there, um, and we can't pay bills or whatever it might be, uh, th- that's a bad thing that God can use for good. As you have studied uh, American history, world history, it's in the hard times that people really turn back to the Lord, isn't it? Yeah, so I use a little saying, it's in times of crisis that people turn to Christ. All right, so we should be praying all the time, but human nature puts it off when things are going good. But in times of crisis, we turn to the Lord. And it's also in times of crises that God raises up leaders. What are the stories we love best in the Bible? Uh, it's when you got the Egypt coming after the Israelites, and you get an 80-year-old Moses that rises up, or a Goliath, and you get a teenager David that rises up, or 100,000 Midianites, and this scared guy named Gideon rises up. And, and God seems to like to wait until things look hopeless, and then he raises up little nobodies with faith and courage. He gets the glory for it. Um, it was... Franklin Roosevelt had a D-Day prayer when we're sending our kids over, our young men over to fight, young men and women. And um, and he says, this day, this, our sons, pride of our nation, have uh, entered into this war to preserve our re- republic, our religion. And he mentions religion. And he's like, what, what religion is he talking about? Well, Franklin Roosevelt gave out Gideon's New Testaments and Book of Psalms to all the soldiers in World War II. And he writes the foreword to the Gideon's New Testament. And he says, as commander-in-chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces. Um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt gives another address. He says, your government is working with representatives of Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish faith. Without these three, all three of them, things would not be as easy. So his idea of Big Tent was Catholic, Protestant, and Jew. Judeo-Christian, Bible, right? He didn't have Islam and, you know, Buddhists and Hindus and Satanist groups and... All, all kinds of wokeism, and and he gave another address where he talked about um, that uh, during the Battle of the Bulge. He says it's not easy to say Merry Christmas in this time of destructive war, but we'll celebrate Christmas Day in our traditional American way because the teachings of Christ are fundamental in our lives. The story of the coming of the immortal Prince of Peace, and that was Franklin Roosevelt, World War II. But uh, in, in my books, Miracles in American History, I have all stories from you know. Revolution, War of 1812, Barbary Pirate War, you know, all these different times when there's a crisis and we have leaders that call us to fast and pray and people rise up with courage and God comes through and things turn around. Bill, where would you put Trump's presidency if you were going to write a volume three? um, Do you see Trump? I mean, he's he's a weird figure because there's so much, you know, he's got so much baggage, but yet God used him in a great way. We wouldn't have the three conservative justices on the Supreme Court if it weren't for Donald Trump's presidency. How, how would you view that? Yeah, I would say that other presidents have a lot more baggage. The media is just covering it. I mean, if you had a, a son with a laptop with, you know, prostitutes and cocaine and all kinds of business, you know, deals with corrupt leaders, uh, that's a tremendous amount of baggage. But the media is not talking about it. Uh, but but Trump, I believe, was 
I'm praying he he wasn't God's last chance for America because right. uh, I'm praying for things to turn around. But um, uh, he got record number of votes, the more votes than any other candidate ever had in American history, except for someone who now is the most uh, lowest uh, <laughs> one. I mean, it, it, right. But but the fact of the matter is um, uh, he uh, was pro-life. He was uh, wanting to you know, secure the borders. He was wanting to get our economy turned around. He was wanting to do all this, um, but uh, supported Israel, brought peace to the Middle East, and all that within a year and a half. I was in Houston last week, and uh, a gentleman was a judge, and he said, uh, up until this last election, I got more votes than, than Biden did. Uh, because Harris County, uh, Texas, uh, is so big. and um, But he said in just 18 months since Biden's gone in, Houston's become arguably the, the, the highest crime in the country. And he said, you know, if there's a food shortage, I could see mobs going neighborhood by neighborhood. Because you call mm-hmm. the police, they don't respond because they're defunding the police. And he says, we're on a precipice here. And um, and so we do need to pray uh, for for people to wake up. Uh, I think a lot of the national leaders have let us down. So it's up to every school mom to push back. It's up to every female athlete to push back. It's up to every pastor to push back. It's up to every one of us push back, but also pray. And and today is the national day of prayer. And, and I think that, you know, the, the, the word paraclete for the name for the Holy spirit means helper. So you don't sit back with your feet up on the couch, watching TV and say, God, turn it around. No, no, no. God helps you to turn it around. Right? right, you go out there and do something, and he will help you. Uh, you're a pastor. You you said God used me, and now He's using you in a powerful way on, on the radio. And but you just stepped out in faith, and I think God wants every single person in the listening audience to find something to do to step out and say, God use me. Amen. I love that. Uh, there's a phrase that I learned years ago, Bill, that I just really love. It it says this: God will not do what you can do, and you cannot do what He can do. And so the mm-hmm. idea, you know, hey, Martha, roll away the stone and I'll raise Lazarus from the dead. But I'm not rolling away the stone. You have to do that. And so wow. for us to experience a miracle uh, of turnaround in America, it's exactly what you said. We can't sit around with our feet on the couch saying, God, you do it all. Uh, God's going to say, hey, take a step of faith and I will bless and I will part the Red Sea as you move forward. And so we have about another minute. Um, Bill, w- what uh, what encouragement could you give to our listeners as we get ready to close? Well, you're um, you're a great pastor. That's why I love hearing. You. <laughs> um, but uh, he told Moses, "What is in your hand?" Right, it's the rod. Um, so we had a second great awakening revival. You were an attorney uh, named Charles Finney, and he gets saved and he presents the gospel like a attorney before a jury. Very convicting, and he said, "Look, being a Christian is more than just listening to sermons. You got to do something." He writes lectures on revivals, and he highlights two things. You have to preach the law before people see the need for the Lamb. You have to preach that God is just and he has to judge every sin, and then you appreciate him providing the Lamb that took the judgment for the sin in your place. And so the two of those are important. Uh, But out of that preaching came uh, the YMCA, George Williams. Out of that preaching came um, uh, William and Catherine Booth and the Salvation Army. Out of that preaching came abolitionist societies to end slavery. And it was this uh, movement that was birthed of Christians stepping forward and saying, God, I'm going to listen to the sermon, but I'm going to go out and pray and, and put my faith into action. Amen. You've been listening to William J. Federer. I encourage you to check out his books. I have learned so much from Bill Federer. He is a wealth of information. Thanks for joining us today on Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. It's the National Day of Prayer, so pray and expect God to answer because He's a prayer-answering God. God bless you.